Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome listeners to another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR, 8.55am on your dial. My name is Kiara and with me today I have Nancy from the Lead Tenant Program. Nancy currently works in the mental health field and is studying part-time. Thanks so much, Nancy, for coming on the show today. My pleasure. Can you, um, can you explain for our listeners what is the Lead Tenant Program? Uh, So the Lead Tenant Program is actually a live-in volunteer program uh, whereby one to two volunteers, uh, adult volunteers, will live full-time with one to two young people aged between 16 and 18 um, who are either coming out of residential care or foster care. Um, And the aim is to transition them into independent living because come 18, when they age out of uh, the system, they will need to live independently. So the aim is to just help them um, transition into independent living. Okay, fantastic. So who's the who's the program kind of um, aimed at? Is it solely for young people? Yeah. Um, yep. So um, all of the young people in the lead tenant program um, have either come out of foster care or residential services. Now, residential services is where um, a young person might not have been suitable to go into foster care for whatever reason, um, and they'll live full time with uh, 24-hour-7 staff and a couple of other young people. Um, But usually come 16, uh, it's probably better to start transitioning them into independent living. So that's why they come into the lead tenant program instead. So from the age of 16, so they start to kind of go into independent living from then on. So it's quite a young population, it sounds like. It is, it is. And like ideally, you know, for most of us who are living with our parents, we wouldn't be starting to look into independent living at age 16. But... Uh, For these young people who come 18, they might not be eligible for services anymore. It's just a good time to start transitioning them. From time to time, it's not often, but sometimes you will get a young person just before the age of 16, if they're suitable um, and they're ready and they're wanting to do it, that they can move into the program at that, you know, 15, 15 and a half. At what age do people um, move out of the program? So at 18, unfortunately, they have to move out before their 18th birthday. It is, look, it is a very young age and it can be quite a challenge for that reason because a lot of these young people aren't completely prepared for the reality of independent living Mm. because they only are between 16 and 18. But that's the aim of the program, to sort of try and get them more prepared. Okay, so can you tell me a bit more about what does the actual program involve? So um, actually living with with the young person, Mm -hmm. um, what's... I know you, you said that it's to kind of introduce them, you know, into independent living. Um, what What's your role at being, being there? Typically your role is just mainly to be a, a housemate, a good role model and a little bit of a mentor. So I really do look at it as just like having any other housemate except you might just do a little bit more involved stuff with them. For instance, from time to time showing them what you're cooking and getting them and showing them how to do it or encouraging them to come exercising with you or just chilling out and watching movies like you would with any housemate. So like a lot of people ask me, so do you have to cook and wash and clean for them? And I'm like, no, (laughs) they they do all of that themselves. If not on their own, that they'll do that with their case managers. So they all have an active care team um, working with them. And so often the case managers will take them, for instance, for a weekly shopping trip and maybe once a week cook with them or take them to appointments or any of that. 
part of my role would definitely be to encourage them to cook and eat healthy and do their washing and exercise and all of that, but it's less involved. It is just a volunteer mentor role model kind of role. Um, Obviously, part of the role as well is communicating with their care team, so letting their case managers Mm. and social workers know if I have any concerns, if there's any drug use or... Um, they're seeming a bit out of sorts, seeming a bit depressed, that that kind of thing as well. Okay, so yeah, that was going to be my next question is how, how often do you kind of liaise with the, the care team? Do you go to kind of meetings with them or is it is it um, are you part of that support mm-hmm. network around the young person? Yep, I mean, and you can get involved as you sort of want to get involved. It is it is sort of up to the lead tenant to to get into it as much as they like. Um, we do have fortnightly house meetings where the care team comes together with the young person and the lead tenant and we all just sort of chat about how things are going and if there's any concerns or whatever. But other than that, like we do just generally liaise via email or phone calls, just keeping everyone in the loop on the same page of what's going on for the young person um, just because it does make it a bit easier so everyone knows what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So what um, kind of environment does the lead tenant program operate in? Yep. So most of the houses, and I mean, there's so many organisations that run the lead tenant programs, uh, but they're usually in a Department of Human Services house or potentially a house that's owned by the particular agency. Yep. Um, and so you live in that house at um, very subsidised rent and living expenses because you are a full-time volunteer with the organisation. Um, and depending on the agency and depending on the house you may or may not have your own bathroom and toilet um whereas you always have your own room with lock and key and everything like that okay so is it um does it tend to just be one young person so it's just often two people in um a unit or or a place together they're all different so i've i've been in a lead tenant house where it had the potential for two lead tenants and two young people at some points it was just me and one young person. At some points there was four of us. Yeah. Uh, the particular house I'm living at now is actually my partner and I and just one young person. So it really depends on the young person that they're interested in and what kind of setup that they might find most helpful. Okay. So the young person we're living with, for instance, has come out of foster care. So having a couple with one child and the dog is a lot more conducive for his mental health than, say, another lead tenant program where it might be two young people and two adults that none of them really know each other. Yeah. So it really just depends on the organisation and it depends on the young person and what they have available. Okay, awesome. And can you kind of give me an idea of a day in the life of, of a lead tenant for, for yourself? Uh, look, to be honest, every day is really different. It really does depend. Sometimes the young person won't even be home. Um, sometimes they'll be there and they'll be in a bad mood and you just sort of got to sit with them and try and work through whatever is going on or... Um, But most of the time, honestly, it's just like having any housemate. You know, you'll deal with moods, you'll deal with a bit of mess, you'll deal with um, whatever's going on for that person that day. Um, But it's honestly a really good, fun program to be part of, even though it does have its moments. (laughs) Okay, so what about about the young person? What what sorts of things, um, if you're not transitioning, you know... If a person doesn't get to the age of 18 beforehand and they're identified that they are ready for independent living, what are the sorts of things that, um, you know, the organisation kind of can tick off and be like, okay, this young person is actually ready for for independent living now? Uh, Look, that's a bit of a tough question because every young person comes in with a gamut of different issues and and problems. Um, 
most of the young people that come in, uh, they're meant to when they come into the lead tenant program to be either engaged in school or work. That doesn't always happen. So it's part of the aim in that two years that we're working with them to try and get them established in one or the other. Doesn't always happen, but that is the aim. Part of the program is um, they set them up with something called a springboard worker. So springboard's another program that's also run by a variety of different organisations that then helps the person establish like either work or study. Yep. So they can um, provide them with money for Mikey, money for uniforms, money for, for the course itself if they're studying or working. So if some if a young person's linked in with Springboard, um, the Springboard worker and the case manager are actively working with this young person to get them into either school or work so that once they come 18, they have something to fall back on and not just left in, into thin air. Yeah, it is a quite supportive um set up in in that sense that you know once you know the person hit the young person hits 18 they're not just kind of forced into into independent living but they're you know it's made sure that they've got the supports around them moving forward yeah yeah Yeah. ideally doesn't always happen as well like I've had now six young people I've lived with since I've been doing lead tenant um some of them actually reunited with their families afterwards and moved back in with them some oh, moved wow. into independent living. Um, some actually did have to go into services and get supported accommodation. Um, so it, it's just different for every young person. But fortunately, they do, st- like Springboard, for example, continues on until the young person is 25. So a lot of the time they're not left with no support, um, which is great. <laughs> okay. All right, that's fantastic. And I, I think that was going to be my next question in asking, you know, how many um, over your time as a lead tenant, you know, what have been the different experiences that you've kind of um, come across in with the young people, you know, before they've been transitioned out? Yeah, it's been different for everyone. Um, yeah, I've had six people now. Some have been completely engaged in the program, loved it, didn't want to leave, and I've kept contact with them. Others weren't as keen on the idea and they just really just wanted to get out of residential care and move on in their lives but weren't quite prepared. So it has been different with every young person. Um, As I said, some moved back in with their families, one moved in with his partner. So it's been different for everyone. Um, Yeah, it's just been different for every young person and they're all just different characters really and I've had a great time living with them at the same time. I just wanted to um, touch, Nancy, on what you were saying before um, about the types of young people that are referred to the program. Um, What types of young people are suitable for the lead tenant program and which ones aren't? Um, So the lead tenant program isn't really targeted for young people who, for instance, are just living with their parents and not quite loving it and just want to move out. Um, All of these kids are actually already in care. So a lot of them will have custody orders from the Department of Human Services and have been in care for some time because their parents couldn't care for them for whatever reasons. Um, They're often deemed suitable for the program if they're expressing interest in wanting to move towards independence and they're already showing some of the skills involved in that. Because, of course, a lot of these children have got complex developmental trauma histories Um, and can have a range of different, for instance, mental health issues, drug and alcohol issues, um, and just, I don't know, being a teenager is already hard enough, let alone coming out of care as well. So um, they have to sort of demonstrate that they are able to work within the program and be willing and able to work towards that independence. So you've got some young people who just aren't quite ready for that, understandably. 
Okay, and that's established by the Department of Human Services? Yep, yep. Yep. So there's a child placement unit and they sort of make these decisions together with the organisations that run the lead tenant program. So there's there's quite an in-depth assessment process done beforehand, before a kid is is considered for the program and before they're moved into it to make sure that they're suitable for the area with the lead tenants at that program and the care teams themselves. Okay, so it's not really possible if someone may know that you know, they may, there may be a young person who might be suitable for the program. It's not really possible to kind of refer them in. There's kind of a quite of a lengthy process Correct, involved yeah. beforehand. Yeah, okay. so it's not targeted for those people. But, I mean, if, if a young person was absolutely interested or someone knew someone, you could do some research, speak to the various organisations and see what, and if it's a possibility. Process. But it's, yeah, it's very unlikely that it would go that way. Okay. From the program, what's been um, a real positive experience that you've had being a lead tenant? I think for me it's kind of the smaller things in the sense that, you know, one time, for instance, I was making a fresh juice and I had a 17-year-old boy who all he ever ate was Coke and frozen pizza asking me to teach him how to use the juicer. So it's that kind of stuff where it's really small things that you're influencing them on in a positive way that you might not even realise is happening as it's happening. Um, so I, like, I still get some of the young people that I lived with previously calling me from time to time, asking me for advice on uni or on you know relationships. And it's that, yeah, that seemingly insignificant interactions that you might have that is sticking with them years later. So I had one young person um, message me and say, I just got invited to a party and I made your famous Caesar salad as the dish I was bringing. And so it's just those kind of little one, little interactions that are really, really rewarding. Yeah, that for me that really sounds like mentorship, like yeah. true mentorship that, you know, you've been like a big sister to, you know, to some of, of the young people that have gone through the program. It does feel like that sometimes and you do develop a real bond with them, like it's different from, say, if you're working as a case manager or something where there's really strict boundaries in place. I mean, you're living with this person day and night, so you do develop quite a relationship and attachment to them both ways. And it's just it's a really beautiful thing. No, that's that's awesome because, you know, most, you know, a lot of these young people wouldn't have positive role, role models in their lives. You know, they may not be in contact with their family no. or mm. they may not, you know, have that social network or social supports around them. Mm. So to be able to um, provide that to someone and to, you know, develop a, a, a relationship with that person beyond, you know, like what you said, that um, very kind of clinical, um, you know, situation where it's very different to you know like a, a caseworker or a or a, you know I often a treating um, party I often put it this way you're you're kind of one of the only people in their life that's choosing to be there and they're not being paid to do it so for them that's a real important thing to have someone that cares for you and wants to spend time with you that isn't just doing it because it's their job yeah that's not to take away from the amazing jobs that all their care teams do but I think it's important to also have somebody in your life that is caring about you and for you because they want to, not because they have to. Yeah. So that's how I've sometimes reflected on it and seen it. Yeah, and I think that for young people that um, would in a way set you apart. You know, they would be able to kind of open up to you or tell you things mm. um, that they may not be able to tell anyone else because they know that you're there. Yeah, definitely. But that's happened paid. a lot. Yeah. yeah, that's happened quite frequently. And so it's a, it is a rewarding experience in that sense. 
Okay. And, and what about, um, you know, obviously, you know, when you are working with young people and, you know, you are dealing with people that have had a history of trauma or um, drug and alcohol use, uh, that would be very challenging. So what are some of um, the more challenging experiences that, that you've had and how were they kind of overcome? <laughs> the, um, the challenging experiences are so varied and and frequent. Like there are a lot of different types of difficult experiences that come hand in hand with the lead tenant program. So it has happened before where a young person might come home drug affected or, or, or drunk, um, which happens with housemates anyway. Um, and, you know, sometimes they will open up about something quite distressing for them or they might have had a really um, horrible interaction with a family member or because you are, as much as you're not there as a counsellor or as a psychologist or any sort of um, worker role, you're not there in that capacity you still got to be aware of that reality that you might have that kind of interaction with someone where you've got to be sensitive to their trauma histories. Mm. Is there, do you guys, you know, for that particular situation, do the lead tenants receive kind of training or any kind of support so that, um, you know, if, if someone does kind of open up to you about these sorts of things, you're kind of left wondering, well, what do I do with that yeah, now? Yeah, definitely. We do definitely undergo a lot of training. Okay. And so there's regular training, you know, every two or three months. And there's you are you are in regular contact um, with the care team. So if there's a particular young person has some specific issues, you will be like briefed on that and you won't just be left like randomly to deal with the situation. Having said that as well, there are 24-hour um, on-call support services. So if something more dramatic was to happen, uh, you can just call upon that and they'll come to the to the home and, and help you deal with it at the same time. Um, you do need to call them from time to time. It's not a frequent occurrence, but, you know, if someone is um, drunk and bringing home a few friends in the middle of the night and, you know, you need to get these people out of the house and they're not quite wanting to, yeah. sometimes on-call can be a really good support. Okay, Nancy, and um, if someone's interested in getting involved in being a lead tenant, um, how how can they get involved? Um, so there's heaps of information online about it. I actually stumbled upon it accidentally when I was on Go Volunteer one time. Um, but there's probably at least six or seven agencies that have their own lead tenant programs, and each one is sort of in a different catchment area within Melbourne. Um, so if, if you wanted to be in a specific area, you might need to contact the organisation that deals with that catchment. Um, otherwise, just I'd be just Googling um, Lead Tenant Programs Melbourne. And I, I do advise for people to do a bit of research on the agency that they're going to be working with. Um, each one operates a bit differently, like we said, in terms of what houses and what um, support systems they have available for the young people. There are some organisations that do something called an enhanced lead tenant program where there's an extra social worker um, assigned to that young person. So you do want to just do your research, find out about the agency, find out about the team that you're going to be working with and what kind of setup that they have. Okay, and what about the the qualifications? Do you need to... um have you know a certain degree in mental health you need to have a certificate in you know mental health or community no, no, services no. no so I've often been asked that as well because I do work in the mental health field is is that why they they took me on and I'm sure that was a bit of a bonus because I, I have a bit of an understanding of trauma but um yeah so people often think that because I work in mental health that's why I'm doing it but I've met other lead tenants that have been accountants, lawyers. One girl worked with in butterfly conservation. You can honestly be doing anything um, as long as you can be a positive role model, be present and available for these young people and not have too many commitments where you're never at the house. Um, so that's also very important that you can be there and available to 
to to work with them. Yeah, okay. So obviously if you're not working maybe full-time or if... Uh, no, working full-time is fine. Um, there are a lot of um, full-time working volunteers that do the program, but it's more so like, um, you know, I lived with one who really wanted to be part of it, but between her work and her study and her social commitments and other... Um, other volunteer roles she was just barely there and when she was there she was tired and just wanted to relax so it didn't quite work out long term yeah um so she wasn't probably the most appropriate person but I mean I've worked with one for instance that worked from home and she was there a lot and so it's just as long as you feel like you're a good person you can be a good influence on these young people you've got the desire to help her help them um then, then you're suitable. If you're not, um, you know, really well versed in trauma history and mental health, that's fine because they do train you up for that. Um, and you can request further training in certain areas if the particular young person that you're going to be living with is presenting with a specific issue, they will train you up on that. Yeah. So it's more just being willing more than yeah. anything. Wonderful. So if people are interested in being a lieutenant, they can just jump online and, and do a quick Google and there's kind of a range of organisations that provide it, yep. provide that program. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, Nancy, well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show and talking about the Lead Tenant Program for our listeners. Um, you've been listening to Brainwaves on 3CR. You can listen to podcasts of our show at brainwaves.org.au. You can also listen to them on the 3CR website or download them from iTunes. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.